Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title today is called Tough Choices. First Corinthians, Tough Choices. We're really talking about the gray areas of life. You know, things that we're not really sure of. And I've, we've, I've come up with five tests. I have, these are in the Bible. I didn't come up with them. I'm going to outline five for you. Five tests of 1 Corinthians to deal with the gray areas of life, the tough choices we have to make. Now, we're actually in the book of Mark, as you know. And last time, when we, two weeks ago, we were here, I talked up from Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, 8 to 13. If you weren't here, get the CDs. They're all in the back. You can follow along, or you can always go on the podcast site and follow along too. But we talked from Mark 7, 8 through 13 about legalism. We dealt with the whole legalism issue. And legalism is basically when you try to tell people what to do when it's not in the Bible. That's legalism. Because if it's not clearly spelled in the Bible, and you try to tell people, well, this is what God expects, we really can't say that. That would be legalism. But how do we know if something's right or wrong if it's not explicitly spelled out in the Bible? How do we know? Those are gray areas. And a lot of times when people become a Christian, a lot of, a lot of people baptized, share their, their stories last week, how they became Christians. A lot of times when people become Christian, they say to me, what are the rules here? Okay, I'm a Christian. I put my faith in Jesus. Now, what are the rules? What, how, how am I supposed to live? What can I do? What can I do? And others um, will come to me and say, well, they'll have questions. I remember when I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And a lot of the teens would come to me and they'd say, uh... Can I do this or that? Can I drink? Can I smoke? You know, cigarettes back then. Now it's pot. You know, can I? Uh, can I make out? How far can I go if I make out with my boyfriend or girlfriend? And and what music can I listen to? What's okay? You know, what can I do? And these are these are gray areas. What are some other gray areas you can think of? Things you were not sure. We kind of wrestle with. Just shout it out. Movies, movies right? What kind of movies, right? Books. What kind of books? Yeah. TV, what can we watch on TV? Yeah, what's, what's appropriate? So you get the idea. There's a lot of gray areas. And some churches are only too, we talked about this last time, some churches are only too happy to tell you what to do and what not to do, right? It's, they're legalistic. But uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you any easy answers here. Some will even tell you how I was in churches before where they told you what kind of clothes you had to wear. You had to wear a suit and tie and what, well, how, how long your hair could be. You know, you, They would tell you, cut your hair, that kind of thing. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you any easy answers, but I want to look at the Bible and help you to learn how to decide for yourself. I'm going to give you these principles to use that you can take and wrestle through these issues for yourself and determine, is this positive or negative for me spiritually? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for the baby dedication. We thank you for bringing each of us here through many trials and many struggles. And I know a lot of us are exhausted, but you've brought us here to be recharged through the worship and the fellowship, but also so that your word can speak to us, that your spirit can take your word and speak directly to us. And we pray that your spirit would help us to take steps of faith that you're calling us to take. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, the first, you got the outline there. The first Corinthians 5 tests gray areas. Now, if we take a gray area in our life and we, and we apply these tests to it, and if they pass all five, it's okay. And if it doesn't, if it fails even one, probably not okay. So let's look at the first one. First Corinthians 6. You can follow on the outline, obviously, but 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12 is the verse one. There's lots of them in here. I just picked five, five of my favorites. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I won't be mastered by anything. The master test. The master test. Does it control me? Does it control me? What are some examples of something that could control us? Alcohol, yeah. Sports. Everything, I mean, anything could control us, right? You're all saying lots of good stuff. Anything, right? And it could even be okay. It might even be something that's okay for other people, but maybe not for me. Could be music. You know, you might know somebody like this. Uh, you know, especially teenagers, you might have a few teenagers, I have several, uh, and the music could dominate our, our life, right? You know, they eat and sleep and the, the, the little earphones are in all the time and you get in the car and you, they can't function in the car without the music blaring, you know, and, and you, know, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, it's 24-7, the music. Um, TV, we mentioned, computer, addictions on the computer, hunting, we've got a few hunters here, I'm sure nobody struggles with that on hunting, uh, the football coming up, football season, sorry, uh, getting real convicting here, uh, so anything that just dominates our life, right, now none of these things are bad, but the question is, does it master me, and it could be okay for someone else, but maybe not for me, does it master me, we, you see, we can take the good things that God has created beyond the boundary of God's will, in the book, The Bondage Breaker, Neil Anderson's The Bondage Breaker, on page 137, I ran this off, he shows some other ways that things can go beyond, good things that God has created can go beyond the boundary of his will. And listen to a few ways that things can go from, from positive to negative. They can become something that turns negative and masters us. He says this, physical rest becomes laziness. Quietness becomes non-communication. The ability to profit becomes avarice and greed. Enjoyment of life becomes intemperance. Physical pleasure becomes sensuality. Interest in the possessions of others becomes covetousness. Enjoyment of food becomes gluttony. Self-care becomes selfishness. Self-respect becomes conceit. Communication becomes gossip. Cautiousness becomes unbelief. Positiveness becomes insensitivity. Anger becomes rage and bad temper. Loving kindness becomes overprotection. Judgment becomes criticism. Same-sex friendship becomes homosexuality. Sexual freedom becomes immorality. Conscientiousness becomes perfectionism. Generosity becomes wastefulness. Self-protection becomes dishonesty. And carefulness becomes fear. 
And it just shows how it doesn't have to be something bad to start with, but it ends up mastering us and becomes something unhealthy, something negative. The master test. The second test, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Go a few verses further, where he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The temple test. The temple test. I remember one pastor friend of mine, we were talking about funny stories, and we were saying who could come up with the most crazy story of whatever happened to him in church. And the, he was telling us the story of one time he was a music pastor, and he was late getting to a special event. And it was a group of churches were all meeting for, I think it was like a Good Friday service or something. And he was late. This guy was always late. And, and he said he was late, so he ran, he parked his car and ran across the lawn into the side door of the church, ran up onto the podium, sat down in the chair they had saved him next to all the other pastors. He sits there and he you know, puts a leg over his knee and they were all sitting there this way. He's sitting there and waiting for his turn to come to do something musically. And he smells something really bad. He's like, what is that terrible smell in this church? He's looking around and looking at all the other pastors. And finally he's like, he looked at his shoe. He had run through dog doo-doo on the way into the church. And now he's stuck up front with stinking dog doo on his shoe and he had to stay there for the whole service like that. Can you imagine, right? Disgusting, right? But we do the same thing to our temple. Don't we? Every time we step in the world's garbage and, and, and allow it into our life, into our body, we put garbage into our temples all the time. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. They're not ours. It says we are, are bought at a price. So honor God with our bodies. The temple test is something good for us physically and spiritually. Some examples. You can think of a lot of them, right? Drugs. Not, not because a doctor prescribes something that we really need for a short time, but drugs that are used in the wrong way. Smoking, junk food, not exercising, just some examples. We can think of many, many examples, right? Uh, verse 18 spells one out very clearly, something that is, is not right for the temple. Verse 18, right, go before this. Verse 18, he says, talks about sexual sin. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Sexual sin is one that definitely breaks the temple test. Definitely. And, and when he talks about the word immorality, the word that, that Paul uses and used all throughout the Bible in the New Testament is the word, it comes from the, uh, the word means any sexual activity outside of a husband and wife marriage relationship. Anything. It covers it all. Premarital sex, self-sex, pornography, uh, adultery, homosexuality. I mean, it covers it all. It's all covered in that part, in that word, sexual immorality. Does anything in our life, are we allowing any garbage in our life into the temple? And the third one, third test, 1 Corinthians 8.13. In verse eight, chapter 8, verse 13, it says... Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. And this test is the brother test. Does it cause my 
my brother or sister to fall. Would offend somebody, a Christian brother or sister, or even a non-Christian, would offend somebody. Now, he's talking about meat here because at that time they would sacrifice meat to idols. And, and a lot of people said, you shouldn't eat meat that is sacrificed to an idol. Now, we don't have that anymore in our culture, although idols are making a big comeback even in our culture. But, but th it's, that's not here anymore. But the principle is the same. We don't have to worry about, was, was our baloney from giant sacrifice to an idol? We don't have to worry about that, right? We have to worry about, is something that shouldn't have in it, some kind of hormone or something else, right? But we don't, but, but we don't have to worry about the idol thing. But there are a lot of other possible stumbling blocks. In fact, he outlines another one in the Bible, and I'll read it to you. He outlines another one along with eating in, in Romans 14. In Romans 14, he says this, verse 21. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that causes your brother to fall. So, the meat thing is not such a big deal in our society, but the drinking the wine is a big deal, right? And if you back up a few verses to verse 15, he says, If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. It says it's very important that we act in love. And especially, once again, the, eat, the meat eating isn't, such a big, isn't a deal, but the drinking is, right? That's still a danger in our society. There's two dangers with drinking alcohol. One is you could offend somebody. And the others, you could cause them to stumble. You offend somebody who thinks, yeah, we really shouldn't be drinking. Or you cause someone to stumble who, who has a drinking problem. And, you know, we're very open about that. People share their testimony. We have a lot of people who are recovering alcoholics and, and by God's grace, have stopped drinking you know, with the alcohol. But that's a danger is we shouldn't make people stumble. Uh, I remember when I was a youth pastor. And not when I was, I was working with a youth group before I became a youth pastor. I was working with a youth group, and we had this youth group that was going great, super. We had like a mini revival. It was awesome. But after I left for college, another guy came in, and he started running the youth group. And I started hearing all these stories about these kids having drinking problems in our youth group. And, and we never had that. I mean, they'd, they'd do the normal teen thing. They'd try it and be sorry. But, but a lot of kids were like, had serious drinking problems. I couldn't figure out until I went back for Christmas. And I started talking to the kids, and, and one of the kids, uh, somehow it came out that the guy had to leave. And he said, oh, could you give me a ride? And, and said to one of the kids, and he was leaving. And, and I said, where's he going? He said, oh, they have to drop him off at the bar. He had the teenagers dropping him off at the bar on the way back from youth group. This is the youth, youth guy, the guy running the youth group. And I'm like, ah, oh, connect the dots. <laughs> no wonder these kids are all drinking. No, no wonder they, they have a problem with that, right? And the, the problem is we have a culture of drinking now. It's, obviously, it's not wrong to drink. The Bible says nowhere, never drink wine, never drink anything. It doesn't say that. We know we're free to do that, but it's very important to understand we are in a culture of drinking. We are, gonna, we are, a, we are really a culture of alcoholism. You need proof? How many of your friends or how many of us here had trouble relaxing without, without a drink in our hand? Or you go to a party and people cannot open up and just talk. They're like, like this until they have that drink. That's a culture of drinking. When someone can't relax and enjoy themselves or unwind at night, that's a drinking problem. And we live in this culture. Now, yes, Jesus drank wine. Uh, by the way, the, most of the wine that you see in the Bible that I'm drinking was 
they had to drink wine because the water could not, was so bad, they would actually put wine in all the drinks and it, with the water. They would have mixed it, but it was mixed. It was a little bit of wine and a lot of water, and they did it just so they could drink it. All right? So that was a whole problem they had. They had to dilute it with the, with the wine and the water. The, the good stuff, they did drink the good stuff, but where did they drink it? At the weddings. Jesus with the wedding made, turned water to wine. They saved the good stuff for a special event. It wasn't something they did every day, watching the game and turn on the ESPN and kick back with a six-pack. That's not what Jesus did with the drinking. All right? You read the Bible clearly. You see it's not wrong to drink, but there's, there's, there's a healthy way to drink alcohol and an unhealthy way to do it. I personally don't drink. I'm free to. I know I can do it biblically, but I don't for the sake of witness. But I just encourage everybody to take it seriously. If you have that freedom, we all have that freedom. If you ex exercise that freedom, be sensitive. Be careful. Even with your own children. Be careful. Be sensitive on that, okay? Because this is an area that there's a lot of chances for offense. I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I don't want anybody saying, oh, Pastor Chuck said I can't drink alcohol. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but, but when I was a kid, nobody was allowed to drink. And now people drink without any discernment. We boomeranged on the issue. And I think both are unhealthy. In the middle is a healthy balance. Okay, so that's, that's that one. Uh, the fourth test, 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 to 23. Where he says, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. The gospel test. This is big. Does it help me win other people to Jesus Christ? Is it helping me bring people to Christ and understand who Jesus is? What are some examples of the gospel test? Think of our own life. What are some examples? I'll give you one. Smoking pot. I've had more Christians teenagers say to me lately there's nothing wrong with it. it's going to be legal the president's going to legalize it it's going to be legal nothing wrong with it now now there's all these scientific scientific tests not these quasi tests that pot smokers come up with but these real tests they've shown what it does to the brain and now they finally admitted it does affect the, the developing brain it's not something developing people brains should smoke in the teenagers they know that now but but it doesn't do anything Every test shows it's, it's an unhealthy thing. But there's also the whole master thing, the addiction thing and the doorway. There's a lot of things. But, but I've had more teenagers say, there's nothing wrong with it. And I always apply these tests to it. And it's pretty hard to convince Pastor Chuck that that's okay after you go through these tests. Well, let's use the gospel one. You're smoking pot with your friends. And you're, you're smoking, you know, this is good stuff. Good. This is good. Good. Speaking of good, do you think you're good enough to go to heaven? <laughs> Get my point. Does it help you witness to people or not to witness to them? Are they more likely to uh, come to Christ because they're smoking pot with you or not? All right. Enough of that one. Uh, the car horn. You're driving the car and someone cuts you off. Toot, 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 you know. What's your bumper stickers say? 
you know, I hope it, you know, the spiritual bumper sticker, but you're tooting. Does that help? Parties and dances. Is it okay to go to parties and dances? Well, it depends on the type. Would you, the gospel test, would you take Jesus to that party? You do. We do take Jesus to that party. Language and the jokes that we tell and the cursing. Uh, the Bible still calls it cursing, by the way. Uh, conversation. Does it turn to talking about somebody in a negative way? It's called gossip and slander. The gospel test. Is it helping? All these things, think about it. All these things that we do and say and think, is it helping with the gospel test? The fifth test, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, and this is my favorite. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. The glory test. Does it glorify God? And this is a good one. The clothes we wear, you know, instead of, you know, these discussions we have with our teenagers, should you wear that, should you not wear that, whatever. The clothes that we wear, do they glorify our body or do they glorify God? That's the question. Sports. A lot of athletes here. I love sports. But does the sport glorify me or does it glorify God? That's the question. Our job. Does my job glorify me or God? How am I using it? The movies that we watch, same thing. Does it glorify God for me to watch this or not? Dating. What do you do on dates? When I was a youth pastor, one of the most common questions I got from the guys when we got alone was, I'm dating so-and-so. How far can I, you know, what can I, and they're trying to get, how far can I go? That was where they were always headed. I always knew where they are headed. How far can I go? And uh, I said, just don't touch them. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I said, <laughs> their parents paid me extra to say that. I always said, listen, you're asking me the wrong question. The question isn't how far can you go, but will it glorify God? When you're out with this girl, what you're doing, is, it going to, is this glorifying God? Don't ask how far can I go, because that's like the negative way of looking at it. Well, does this glorify God? Will it please God for me to be doing this? Will it help me stay close to God? Will it help this girl stay close to God or come to God? Will it make God look good, what I'm doing? That's the question. Not how far can I go, but will it, what, what will glorify God in my relationship with this, this girl? You see, it's not about rules. It's about a relationship. See, this is why we're talking about this with the whole legal something, right? It's not about rules. It's about a relationship. Not about what can't I do, but what can I do? What do I want to do? What will glorify God? That's the question with everything. It's not about what I can't do. It's not about rules. It's about what can I do to glorify God? That's really, really, really key to our relationship and so we don't f with, our, with God and so we don't fall into this whole legalism thing. What is one area of our life, there's probably a lot of them, but what's one big area the Holy Spirit is convicting us of right now? Something maybe we've been fighting him on. What is one questionable area in our life that we've been battling him in? And we ask this question, does it control me? The master test. Is it for me good? Is it good for me physically and spiritually? The temple test. Does it hurt somebody else, a brother and sister? The 
brother test? Is it good for my witness, the gospel test? Does it glorify God, the glory test? And these, they have to pass. In my, we have to take everything in our life and look at this and say, does it pass all five? If it passes all five, good to go. If it fails even one, that gray area is no longer gray. What is it? It's black or white. It's become black and white, hasn't it? And I want to encourage you to take these, this list and put it in your Bible where you'll see it or post it in the house somewhere. Somewhere you're going to see it and, 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 and use this. Parents, I want to encourage you to use this. Don't just say no. <laughs> as tempting as it is. Don't just say no. Uh, but try to work through these things together. Take this list and say, okay, and now I know what the kids are going, not the list, you know, you know, torture, right? But, but take that list and say, let's look at this list and go through it. And, and that's how you work through these things. Next time your kid says, I want to dye my hair green, you know, that's, don't just say no. Or they come to you for a tattoo. I know you're like, a lot of you are mad at me for letting a couple of my kids get tattoos. But I, I listen, I know you're mad at me, but, but listen, because now your kids want to get them too. But listen. I had to do this with one of, Josh, one of my kids, Josh, the wrestler, really wanted a tattoo. It was really, really important to him. And I had to, I, Kim said no, I said no, we said no, 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 no. But finally, we had to really sit down and wrestle through it with him. And it's, we went through the test. And, and, and the only thing that I could say no to was what kind of tattoo it was. And he ended up getting a cross, a big cross on his shoulder for wrestling. I'm like, Kim, I can't tell don't put a cross on his arm. Okay, it's a tribal cross, but it's a cross. And, you know, and, and it was so important to him. And spiritually, I think it had an impact for him. But the key was, I didn't really want him to get a tattoo. His mother did not want him to get a tattoo. But, uh, but the tests. In, and we have to draw our battle lines where, where they're biblically drawn. I'm not saying it's okay, I'm not encouraging kids to get tattoos, but because it is a lifelong decision, and you should be really, think about that, but my point was my wrestling through, a lot of people, why'd you let your kid get a tattoo? Because of this reason. If I said no, it would have been legalistic. Teens, I want to say this to you, before you go and ask your parents for a tattoo, uh, ask the right questions with the right attitude. It doesn't say it in the Bible, so I can do it. Okay? Josh got a tattoo so I can do. Yeah, that, that's the wrong attitude. And we're asking the wrong questions. Right? Ask the right question the right way with the right attitude. Very, very important. What will glorify God? That's the whole point here, right? And we should help other people. Take these principles and help other people with them. Work through them and help them with them and, and, and show them the scriptures gently and, and let the Holy Spirit work in their heart. Help people work through these things. But I want to encourage everybody here to identify an area of our life that's grayish, but becoming more black and white all the time as we talk, and give that to God. Surrender that area to God. And maybe you're here today, and you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you fail all five of these because you're not even a Christian yet. You're still controlled by sin, just like all of us were at one point. Controlled by sin, hurting yourself, hurting other people. That's the name of the, the game, right? And yet Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to set us free. He died to pay for our sin. He died to take our sin upon himself. He came to break the power of sin in our life and give us real life, now and forever, real life. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to give us the power to change and to live 
in a way that will glorify God and, and bring people to Jesus Christ. But it starts for us, each one of us, when we surrender our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever come to God and asked for forgiveness, putting your faith in Jesus Christ and, and, and committing yourself to following him? Have you ever taken that step before you can start applying these tests to your life? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Maybe here, Tim, you fail all five because you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to him. You've never become a Christian. Not, not a cultural Christian, but a real Christian. Someone who is not just knows about Jesus, but has put their faith in him, given their heart and life to him. And maybe God is speaking to you right now. The Holy Spirit is calling you to take that step. And you can do it right now. You can do it anytime. It's just between you and God, and it's a prayer of faith. Right where you're sitting, you can say, God, the Holy Spirit leading you, you can say, God, I ask you to forgive my sin. To forgive me. I repent of my sin. I repent of anything in my life that goes against your word and your will for my life. I repent of it. I walk away from it. I ask you to forgive me. I'm putting my faith in your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for me, who rose again from the dead for me so I could have a new life. I put my faith in Jesus. And now I want to follow him. I give my life to you, God. Forgiveness, faith, and follow. If you've prayed that prayer of faith this morning, you have now become a temple of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is actually living inside of you. And your life will never be the same. Because He will convict you and lead you and guide you and comfort you. And all kinds of areas of life now are no longer going to be gray, but they're going to be black and white because the Spirit's going to lead you through his word and through his leading. He's going to speak to your heart, heart to heart, God's mind to your mind. I want to encourage you, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ today, that you tell somebody. Tell me on the way out. Send me an email. Fill out the card in the bulletin. Put it in the box. Or... If you came with a family or friend or someone else, let them know. Let somebody know about your new faith so that we can be excited for you and so we can encourage you in your new faith, your new life in Jesus Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, let's just take a few moments of prayer and surrender.
What is the Holy Spirit convicting us of? Maybe something we've been fighting for a long time. We keep going back to that, stepping in that same doo-doo. But God's word and his spirit has convicted us. And this morning we're going to surrender it. And we're going to live that life of surrender. Father, you are so merciful and gracious to us and patient. And I know this transformation is a lifetime of surrender. It won't be completed till we're standing in front of you someday, kneeling in front of you someday. Father, I just pray you would help us take steps of faith in these areas that you convict us in. We invite your Holy Spirit to convict us and to, and to take your word and to live in a way that will bring people to Jesus Christ and will please you because it shows our love for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.